0: Today I'm going to talk to you about a new subject, a new part of the same subject, and you know, we have went through a, for, for a long time, it took me a long time to go through all the miracles in the Gospel of John, there were only eight in there, but it took me for forever to get through them, but you know, those miracles were put in the Bible to teach us how to see the invisible realm, that's really what, this, that there is an invisible realm, and so the Lord really is trying to wake us up to the realities of the kingdom of heaven, and that's the revelation God wants people to have uh, in the body of Christ today. I'm convinced of that. So that's we're going to go on on that same theme, and I just want to begin this morning on Luke nine. I'm going to show you some something that I have seen recently in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke's a clever guy. He really, really did something here I thought was really brilliant. Um, so let's we're looking in Luke nine. It says, "Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Uh, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick." Okay, that's Luke chapter nine. That's the sending out of the twelve to to preach and the kingdom and heal the sick. All right, Luke ten, next chapter, verse one. After these things, the Lord appointed seventy others also. "...and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go." And he gave some instructions in the next few verses. And then the final thing he said in Luke 9 was the same thing he said to the, to the twelve. "...and heal the sick there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you." So there you go. You know, Luke 9, something happened. Luke 10, something happened. Now let's look in Luke 11. See what happened there. You know, we're going down the road here with Jesus on a timeline, so to speak. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And then Jesus began to teach them to pray, this disciple to pray, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Luke's version. Now, we don't know who this disciple was who asked the Lord this question. Okay? But I'm, I'm, I imagine, and I, I really can't prove this, that this disciple was, was one of the 70 who was sent out. Obviously, this disciple was one, was not present on the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus originally preached His message. And if you go in uh, Matthew 6, which is the most complete documentation of that message, he, Jesus taught on prayer. He taught the Lord's Prayer in, on, in the Sermon on the Mount. Well, you can find the Sermon on the Mount also, but not it's not complete in Luke 6. He also taught that same message, but Luke left it out. Okay, he left it out of the Sermon on the Mount in Luke 6, not because he didn't hear Jesus' preach that message, but because he wanted to share that particular part later, because Jesus had to go back when a guy asked him who the guy was obviously not there and didn't hear the ori- original message, and so Jesus taught him how to pray. Are you with me so far? And so really, what I, what you can imagine is here is this guy, one of the seventy, possibly likely. A disciple for sure who was sent out by Jesus to preach the kingdom of heaven and to heal the sick. And he gets out there, hasn't even been taught on prayer. First of all, that's sort of a mind-boggling thought to think that Jesus would actually send somebody to do something of such profound importance without even telling them how to do it. Okay, go go preach and go heal the sick and doesn't even and here's this guy, wait a minute, you know, uh, I don't even know how to pray and you want me to do this. That may tell you some of Jesus' equipping techniques is just well, you know, hey, you ain't gonna never learn how to ride that bicycle until I set your height up there on it, you know. And you, then you'll find out what you need to ride a bicycle. Well the guy gets out there, realizes, wait a minute, man, this is serious serious business here. There's demons, there's devils out here, there's heart out here. I need some help to be able to do this. So he comes back and he's probably itching to ask the Lord a question and he sees the Lord praying and he says, that's what I really need to be able to do. I need to figure out how to talk to God like Jesus talks to God. So I can really tap into the power of heaven like Jesus has tapped into the power of heaven. And he, what he saw was he saw Jesus tapping in into the kingdom. He saw Jesus had found a way to bring, you know, the realities of God's kingdom into his own life, and he realized that's what he needed. So he said, I need to know how to do this, Jesus. Teach me how to do this. And so what I'm saying to you this morning is um, if you are a person who's starting to get a revelation of the kingdom of heaven, I believe one of the signs of that being in your life is this need in your life for prayer. Okay? Suddenly you realize, you start getting glimpses of the heavenly realm and what God wants to do there or what God has done there and wants to bring here. You realize, oh my gosh, this is a serious matter that we're involved in. Because if I'm going to bring heaven to earth like Jesus taught, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I've got to know how to do that. It's not something that's just going to automatically happen in my life. So I'd like to say to you uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about prayer and about how important prayer is. And you've probably have heard, if you're a Christian, you've probably heard 9,743 messages on prayer. But I want to approach it, you know, from a different perspective. I want to approach it from the ex- perspective is that prayer is not something that we have to do Okay, Prayer is not a negative thing. Prayer is not a spiritual discipline. But prayer is really the thing that is going to happen in your life if we are really going to see the kingdom of God come. That prayer is an essential element of that. Now, uh, it's the Lord's model prayer, which is, is what we're going to be talking about, provides the clearest instructions on how we bring the reality of His world into our world. The clearest instructions in the whole Bible of how to bring the realities of God's world into our world. Would y'all like to have the realities of God's world in your own personal world? Anybody like to have that? Well, let me ask this question like this. Anybody here got financial problems this morning? Raise your hand. Well, okay, let's ask it like this. This is a good way of asking. Jesus, there's nobody, you know, there's no financial difficulties in heaven, correct? Correct. So that's how you, That's what we're talking about. You have a need. And you want to bring that what's there. There's no need there. And you want to bring what's there to fulfill the need that you have here. And you can apply that any of your life. Prayer is the key to releasing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I would like to read a quote to you from the book we're studying in Christ School of Ministries. It's called The name of the book is called When Heaven Invades Earth, written by a pastor named Bill Johnson. He said, Jesus' model reveals the only two purposes of prayer. Okay, two. there's two purposes of prayer. Get that in your mind. First, intimacy with God that is expressed in worship. Okay, intimacy with God that is expressed in worship, which is hallowed be your name or holy is your name, Lord. That's the first and really most important aspect of prayer is this intimacy with the Lord himself through worship. And second, to bring his kingdom to earth, establishing his dominion, over the needs of mankind, establishing God's dominion over the needs of mankind. So that's the only two reasons and only two purposes to pray. So any prayer that we pray, it doesn't matter the words that you say, that's the reason you pray. It's for those two reasons. Anything else outside of that just, just not a good reason. <laughs> you know, it's not biblical reason. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at Jesus' teaching on prayer. Okay, because Jesus had a different approach to prayer than what we've been taught. Okay, and and, and what I want to say to you this morning: we've been taught prayer as a spiritual discipline. Okay, and that's just a lie from hell. If we approach prayer as a spiritual discipline, we are not going to want to pray over the long haul. We are going to despise praying over the long haul because prayer is not a spiritual discipline. It's not. And if you've been taught that, then you have not been taught that from the Bible. <laughs> you know, you've been taught that from a person. It's not in the Bible. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't pray, and we, you know, there's, and that kind of thing, but I'm just saying prayer's not a spiritual discipline. And, and that's how we want to approach it. Let's look at Matthew 6, verse 5 through 9, and let me uh, tell you what Jesus said about prayer. Okay, now this is His teaching on prayer. This is right before the Lord's Prayer, when He talked about prayer. Okay, it says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. That's the Pharisees. That's the people who are highly influenced by religion. So they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who... Seize in the secret will reward you openly. I just want to say one thing about the secret place. That's the invisible realm. Okay, that's where the Father's at. He's in the invisible place, the secret place, the hidden place, and that's what you. That's where you. You know that you've got to see that he's he's there. Okay, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Okay. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So, there's Jesus. right before He even tells you how to pray, He tells you, Listen, this is how you don't pray. Do not pray like this. Uh, in other words, Jesus really has this thing called simplicity in prayer. He He said, It's not the fervency of your prayer. I mean, you can Oh, God! Oh, you know, just a fervent prayer. But Jesus is saying, That has nothing to do with it. Okay? Or, well, if I just ask the Lord and just keep asking the Lord, you know, over and over the same thing, he's going to hear me. He said, that has nothing to do with it. Okay? Um, he was saying, it's not the beautiful words. It's not, he's saying it's not, you know, how well you say your prayers. Okay? Um, those things are not what's going to release the invisible realm. It's not, that's what's not going to release heaven into your life. Um, See, religion teaches us to pray like that, okay? And it kills the prayer. And that's what Jesus was trying to do. He said, I don't want want to teach you the right way because the way they're teaching you and what they're doing is killing prayer. It's it's keeping people from wanting to pray because it gets so boring and so miserable so quick. And Jesus said, prayer is anything but boring, anything but miserable. It's, It's a wonderful thing. He said, first of all, prayer is is between you and God Himself. That's the first thing He wanted us to know. It's a conversation between you and God where you talk to God as a person and He hears you and He talks to you. It's this conversation that you have. And, you know, you've heard some people pray and you think, good Lord, if they talked to you the way they prayed, you would think they were crazy. I mean, seriously, think about it for a minute. Have you ever heard somebody pray and you thought, now they're talking to God... What if they were talking to me in that same language, same phraseology? Wouldn't you think that was just some of the stupidest stuff you ever heard in your life? You know, I mean, like, good Lord, nobody wants to be talked to like that. I sure don't want to be talked to like that. Lord, vows, you know, come on, man, you don't use no vows when you talk to people. Get real. Jesus was saying, you talk to me like I'm a person. Just like I'm standing there and you talk to me like that. Don't come up with some sort of form on me. Y'all with me? He's a person who knows everything there is to know about us and wants to reveal himself to us. And really, it's the chief way we know the Lord, prayer is. I shared this story earlier and I'll share it again because it really speaks of how God is about about prayer and about knowing the Lord and having a relationship with the Lord. When Grace, my daughter, who was a little girl, uh, we went to the... You know, my son played uh, Little League Baseball, and we went to the to the opening day of, of the little Pineville Athletic Association, and they made a big deal of it in Pineville, baseball. It was a big deal. You know, and they had, you know, cotton candy, and they had an opening ceremony, and it was just a big... The mayor, That mayor was there, man. I mean, this is all over the top. And they had a pastor from the church there, right there next to the facility, stand up and pray. Uh, and when he got through, Grace, being this little girl, said out loud, "In the we were sitting there in the bleachers. Hey, I didn't know he knew the Lord, and everybody in the heard her say that. I didn't know he knew the Lord because in Grace's child like mine, knowing God was was he was talking to God, and that's how you knew God. People who knew God talked to God, and he had a real non-religious prayer that day." You know He was talking about the baseball players. Lord, help the baseball players. So it really is how we know the Lord. That's what Jesus was saying. This is how you talk to this, this, this God in heaven, this Father figure who's up in heaven. Everybody with me? All right, then he says in verse 9, In this manner, therefore pray. Okay, now he's, he's already told you, listen, this ain't how you do it. Don't do it like these guys do. They're crazy. They're going to mess you up. Now here's the way I want you to pray. In this manner, pray, our Father. And that's the, really the only thing I wanted to talk to you today about is that one uh, phrase, our Father. Um, and what I want you to what I want you to see here this this will help you if you can get this picture. Is um, has this, anybody here do puzzles? I mean, like to do puzzles. I'm talking about puzzles you put together, like pieces. You know, you put them on a table. I mean, Becky and I, we were always been puzzle people, okay? We've always loved to do puzzles. We've sort of fell away from that in the last few years since our kids have, you know, but when we first got married, we didn't have money to throw away, so that's how we entertained ourselves was to put together puzzles together. I mean, we would do these puzzles that we, you would work on for days and weeks at a time. You know, we'd just work on them in the evenings, and, you know, it's a great way to spend time with people, actually. Is putting together puzzles instead of watching television and not talking to each other. Uh, And then later on for our children, we did it with them. And then Grace sort of took over when she grew up. And we'd do it on vacation. And I guess when she got married and left, we sort of never picked up the picked it back up. Maybe we need to pick it back up now that we're by ourselves. But um, what you do, the way to do a puzzle, we learned this about puzzles. I'm talking about complex puzzles. Is you need to have a picture of what you're trying to do. Okay? That's why they have the picture on the box that you buy it in. You look at the picture and you say, okay, now I see what I got to do. And you put all the pieces out and get them all turned over, and that's how you start. Well, this is the way the kingdom of heaven is, the kingdom of God is. The church is full of lots of teachings, like, for instance, a teaching on prayer. Okay? Or a teaching on miracles. Or a teaching on. God's love, or teaching on God's mercy, or teaching on faith, or teaching on repentance—all of those are really true. But what you have to see, this will help if you can get this: that they are like pieces of this puzzle. That's what they are. Oh, salvation is like a cornerstone piece of this puzzle. I've got to get that in there, or nothing else is going to work. But it's just a piece. The whole picture is the kingdom of God. And so you start getting this revelation of the kingdom of God and you start seeing how everything fits into that revelation. Now, I'm telling you, when you do that, it changes everything. Because what has happened with a lot of people, they'll get like, oh, uh, you got the prayer movement. Okay, but you talk to a lot of people who've been in the prayer movement over a period of time, they, they start to get worn out on it, getting tired of it, or something happens. It's because that teachings on prayer, they're not an end unto themselves they fit into a bigger context. And if you can see the big context, it's like seeing the big picture, you can see how all the other little pieces fit in and make sense and you see the the value and importance of them. Are you all with me on that? A couple of people are. Okay? So that's how we had to see any spiritual truth. That that truth fits into a big picture. And if we can see it, oh man, I see that. So once you start getting a a vision of heaven, of, of God's kingdom, you see how these things begin to work. You see they lead to something. They're not an end to themselves. Faith is not an end to itself. Faith is a kingdom thing. And it works and it will truly work well and right if you stick it into the kingdom. And you see, oh, that's that piece of the puzzle which hooks me up over here, you know, you know. Grace and faith work together. Oh, I see. Those two pieces, you hook those pieces together and things work different. You see what I'm saying? So that's how I want you to see this. Um, So uh, in the church, if you think about in the church, you know, last 10, 12, 15 years, there has been a lot of teachings on the Father heart of God, right? For most of you church people who've really sort of observed what's going on in church, there's been a lot of teaching on that and you know, a lot of great books written on understanding God's Father's heart. Okay? Well, if you think about it, that you think about, man, how wise God is, how wonderful God is, because really what God has been trying to do for a long time is to prepare the church to see the kingdom of God. And what He was doing, He was these teachings about the Father heart of God were critical for us to understand the kingdom of heaven, because you'll never really see it until you understand the Father heart of God. You'll never really understand prayer until you understand God's Father heart, that you see God as your personal Father. So the Lord released a lot of revelation in the church in the past, you know, 10 to 20 years about God's Father's heart. There's books written on There's people who have whole ministries that are based on bringing people into that revelation. And it was, But it was all... You see, it's, that is wonderful as that is, that is not an ending unto itself. It was meant to bring us into something. It was it meant to bring us and help us see the kingdom of heaven. It was meant to help us to really be, to pray. You see how all these things fit together? Because you see all of a sudden, well, there's the Father's heart of God, peace of the puzzle, and prayer is hooked right beside it. And it makes a difference in your life if you can see that. I don't think y'all are getting it. So to really see the kingdom of heaven, we need to we need a revelation of the Father heart of God towards us. Okay, because that's the person that we pray to. It's the Father. That's what he, how you start your prayers. Our Father. We had to see Him. That He's a Father. Okay. That He's not. In other words, what you got to see. He's not just some figure up there in heaven. That He is. That we had to have this father child relationship to really approach God. We had to approach him like a, like we would our father. Like a child would approach their father. You know, the Bible tells us that the kingdom of heaven belongs to children. And what you have to see is you have to see in this deal, in the kingdom of heaven, there is one adult. Period. There's only one adult in the whole thing, and that's God the Father. We're children. All of us are children and we will stay children. And the way you see yourself as a child is to see Him as your Father. And you see your childless. But what has happened in the church, we've grown up and got sophisticated. But really what we did is we became like the Pharisees. We became complicated in our praying. Because we quit being children. We quit approaching God like He's our Father who cared about us and loved us and wanted to talk to us. Like any father, a good father on this earth would talk to their children, and we made prayer something that was crummy, and we quit praying. We don't even want to pray many times. See how clever the devil is in all of it. Yes, you're, you know you're supposed to be a mature Christian. You've been saved. You're a pastor. What's wrong with you, acting like such a child? And you know, just a big bad trick. Are y'all with me? God is the only adult in the deal. And I think we had to settle ourselves that. That's why Jesus said, don't pray a bunch of repetition, long stuff. Just keep it simple. That's what he was saying. Be a child in it. See him as your daddy. All right, let's read Matthew 7, verse 7 through 12. I'll just throw that one in there. Are y'all good? Matthew 7, verse 7 through 12. And And these are great verses. We can't really talk about each one. But this is the same message that Jesus was giving, right he talked about the, you know, how the, the model prayer. He said, "'Ask, and it will be given to you. "'Seek, and you will find. "'Knock, and it will be opened to you. "'For everyone who asks, receives, "'and who, who seeks, finds, "'and to him who knocks, it will be opened. "'Or what man is there among you "'who, if his son asks for bread, "'will give him a stone? "'Or if he asks for a fish, "'will he give him a serpent?' Now, we're, now this is a son asking a daddy for something. Okay? If you then be an evil. Jesus is talking about just us old natural daddies and mamas and stuff. If you be an evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Let's stop right there. To those who ask Him. So, all right. Now, it's been said, and it's the truth, that that we as human beings are at our best and as, at our worst as parents. Okay? We're at our best and our worst. In other words, we know how to give good gifts. Jesus com- cl- com- clearly stated that. As, as parents, we we know how to give good gifts, but also as parents, you know we tend to have we tend to see our children wrong many times. And I, but I think that's a, I believe that's a gift from God. Okay, that I can look at my child and I can't see some of the flaws in my child that other people can see, because. I would probably take a two-by-four and hit him with it. You know? <laughs> but somebody else that loves my child could speak the truth in love to him, where I might speak the truth in love plus frustration and anger. Okay? So it's really a gift from God. And also, on the contrary, uh, many times we are frustrated with our children when another person can look at our child and say something to us like, that's not a bad thing in your child. I see, I see God in it. Well, we, we don't see God in them because we're, we, we, we don't see well. See, that's the, the, the downside of parenting. Y'all, do y'all understand that? Y'all understand that. Y'all are parents. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some parents are not good parents. Okay, here's for young people and for old people. You know what? One of the best things you can do for your children is let other people speak into their lives. It's the truth. Let other people speak into your children's life. Don't defend your children from other people's admonishing them and speaking into their lives. Some of the best things that's probably ever been spoken to my children have been from not from me. It's been from other people who loved them and cared about them and was able to speak something to them that they couldn't necessarily hear from me, but they could hear from them. You see what I'm saying? Because all they heard was old daddy over there trying to lecture them again. But some people, you try to speak in their kids' life, man, they'll pull a gun on you over it. You know, <laughs> they're not they're not wise parents. You know, because they're they're hindered. Now, I you have to do, it has to be, you know, a relational thing. Okay? I'm not saying somebody you don't even know just comes in and wants to slap your kids around. I mean, you know, you slapping slapping my kids around, you don't know, we're probably going to get in a fist fight over that one. Even if you beat me, I'll figure out a way of beating you. I'm a cheater when it comes to fighting. But our, our Heavenly Father always gives us what's best. Always, That's what it says. He always gives us what's best. But you can't really receive that if you don't see him as a father. Because sometimes what's best is no. That's not a good thing. It's not good if you do that. You know? But if you can really see him as a father, the no is a good thing. Just like the yes is a good thing. And we have to really... That comes through Revelation. Now turn over to um, Galatians 4, 6 through 7. Okay, but before we read that, I want to read from class the other night that Melissa missed <laughs> at Cross School of Ministry. <laughs> and uh, we were going through, again, from the same book, The Heaven Invades Earth, and there's a title in the book in one of the chapters. I'll let Melissa tell you which chapter it is, since she wasn't there. It's called, About the Father. Okay? And I'm going to switch some I'm going to give you the word he read, but I'm going to switch the word. He, and he was talking about, he said, while the Pharisees thought God was concerned about the Sabbath, okay? Jesus worked to help the ones the Sabbath was created for. While the Pharisees thought God was concerned about prayer, Jesus worked the ones the prayer was created for. You see the difference in that? We all know that the Pharisees had a big deal about the Sabbath and you had all these rules. But Jesus was saying, hey, the Sabbath was created for us. We were not created for Sabbath. Okay? Well, the same thing with prayer. Prayer was created for us. We weren't created to serve prayer. That's why I say prayers are spiritual disciplines. is not a good, good way to present this. I'm not saying you, it's totally not right. I'm just saying if you present prayer as a spiritual discipline, then you're serving prayer. Prayer's not serving you. And it's meant to serve you. It's meant to help you. It's meant to bless you. And you had to turn around. And then uh, the Bill goes on in the book. I, you know, I just threw a few comments down. He was talking about uh, miracles. He says, Miracles show the religious community the Father's business. Okay? The Father's business. Now he goes on and says this, Understanding the Father's business has to do with signs and wonders, or having to do with signs and wonders, are no guarantee that we will truly fulfill God's purpose for our lives. It is much more than doing miracles or even getting conversions. The supernatural interventions of God were done to reveal the extravagant heart of God for people. The supernatural interventions of God were done to reveal the extravagant heart of God for people Pharisees says no you've got to do that you've got to keep the Sabbath what's wrong with you and Jesus was saying that's completely backwards and you see how the religious spirit works it takes everything and switches it it makes what's supposed to be number one it puts it at the end and instead of instead of reading the Bible because the Bible's meant to bless you and encourage you and help you you are enslaved to reading the Bible every morning And you become a slave of some stupid law. It's not the gospel. And that's the way prayer is. That's the way, you know, the Sabbath was in their day. You know, we've sort of gotten free of that, but we're so affected by the religious spirit. He says, if we have no understanding of the Father's heart, we will repeat the Pharisee's error. We will repeat it. Okay? We will repeat the Pharisee's error we don't really understand the Father's heart. Then he goes on and says, We can travel the globe and preach the gospel, but without a personal revelation of the the Father's heart, we're carrying second-hand news, a story without a relationship. And so we see how the enemy has attacked the image of fathers in the natural you know, probably most people had a daddy that had some glaring flaw in him, You know, <laughs> he turned out not to be a good daddy in that area. I had a great daddy. My daddy loved me, but you know what? My daddy would punch me with his fist if I messed with him, and I knew it. So I was scared of my daddy. That was not a good revelation of God. You know what I'm saying? It's not a good revelation of God the Father. And so the enemy goes around... Perverting our view of natural deities, and somehow we carry that in to how we see God. Not not by conscious choice, but because there's these hurts and wounds inside of us that we're not totally in, you know, in tune with. And let's read Galatians 4, 6 through 7. Everybody with me? Now remember we're talking about about prayer. Alright. And this is how the Father's heart thing really works, okay? This is Paul saying, and because you're sons, in other words, if you receive Christ as your Savior, you're in the family, okay? You're in, your son, your daughter. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. He sent forth that Spirit into your heart to cry that out to you. And I uh, shared earlier how Bob Jones said that he hasn't called God Father in twenty-something years, because of the, background, the spiritual background he had. Father was a religious term that had been perverted, and it was religious. So he calls God Papa. That's what he calls him. Because Abba, Abba is like Daddy or Papa, or dear, you know, a term of closeness that father-son, father-child relationship. Um, and so what happens is is what God wants to do in people's life is He wants to release a revelation of the Father heart of God to people by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who does it. You, ultimately you can't teach people into it or anything else but the Holy Spirit does it and part of what the Holy Spirit does you know and it's different with every person is lots of us carry these Wounds and hurts, or, or strongholds, or demonic things in our life, and those things have to be taken out of us, broken off from our, you know, in, in your mind, in your soul realm, uh, that hinder you from seeing God as the Father, and hinder that revelation of having seen Him as your Father, as, your, as a true Father. Many Christians suffer with this, uh, <clears throat> but what happened to me is. One day I was with the Lord by myself at my, in my house. That's a good way to pray, right? It's like Jesus said, between you and God, you know, when nobody's around. And the Lord began to just, for whatever reason, came to me and and started showing me some things in my life lies that I believed, okay, about myself that I had believed for a long time. And He came to me and was was basically wanting to remove those lies out of my life. And it was just a profound time moment with the Lord when he did that. I mean that was just the Lord. I mean it was I can't really tell you what happened to me. Okay? I mean I I think the Lord healed me, I think he delivered me. I mean he just loved me. That's what he really did. He just came and loved me and touched me and took something out of me that was hindering me in my relationship with Him. And, I mean, I just got instantly free like I'd never been free before and saw this vision of myself. It was just the most wonderful vision. And the vision was this. I saw God's throne, okay? And I saw God sitting. I'm talking, listen, I'm talking God Almighty sitting on His throne. And He was in the middle of making some pretty major decisions about something going on in the universe. Okay? That's what was happening at that moment in heaven. But guess who was right there on the arm of the chair like a little boy? Me. I was just hanging around with my daddy. Right there. He was, making, he was calling the shots on something. You know? I was right there crawling around the arm of the chair with, with my father. And you know what the Bible says in Ephesians? This is what it says. It says, We are seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. That's what the Bible says. It says that every Christian is right there with Christ. Jesus Christ, it says, He's sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's where it says He's at. So I saw myself there where I truly am. Okay? And every one of us who know Christ as our savior, that's where we're really at. We are right there right there on right there in the throne, right there beside the most powerful I mean, he's the top of the top, you know, making the most important decisions. I mean, the White House is nothing but a speck of dust. You know, secret meetings that nobody can go into unless you're high, you know, got military I was on the most secretive secret meetings because I was his little boy, right there, and he was letting me see the truth of where I really was. And many times now, when I pray, I see myself there. And I thought this—I thought this thought: you know what? There's nothing the devil can do to me. Right there, he can't touch me. He can't get to God. I mean, if he even thought about it, if that thought even came to his mind he was going to run up there to the God's throne room and get to me, God would smash him from here to yonder just like any parent would if they thought some bad person was going to come in and grab their little boy. They'd be pulling the guns out shooting them. And that's the way God is. And that's how God wants us to see our lives. And that's why that word, our Father, is critical for you and I. Because in that word, is that revelation of being there. Because that's really who, where we really are. But we just need the eyes of our understanding. We need the veil that's been placed on our eyes, the lies that have been put in sown in our hearts ever since the moment we were born, or even some of us, but even before we were born. You know, I'm a big believer when you find out the baby's in the womb, you start talking to that baby. You know, telling them stuff. I told my kids, you need to keep your hair when you get old. <laughs> Don't you go bald like me. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this morning, you know, if we're going to really enter the kingdom, we can see how important this revelation of the Father's heart is for us. We can see that it's, it's, it's critical, it's, it's powerful. It, it really can't help you be a kingdom person. It really can help you get because that's the beginning of the prayer. That's the beginning. And that's really what God wants to do for people. He, God wants to reveal a revelation of His Father heart to people this morning. And what we wanted to do as an altar call is how many people in this room have had some level of, of true revelation about the Father heart, God? Raise your hand. So I'd like for you all to come up. Please come up right now. And I want you to turn around. And what we're going to do is if you would like for the Lord to really help you in this area of a revelation of the Father heart of God so you can, you know, w- walk in this wonderful life that God's given us, we would like for you to come up now and get one of these, these dear people <laughs> to pray for you and just lay hands on you and release the revelation So, would you come up right now and allow, you know, and get someone just to pray for you.